Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will revisit hedge fund investing as we will check in on asset class performance, discuss types of strategies investors can consider, and more. Uh, joining me once again for the conversation, glad to welcome back Sean Sanborn, Hedge Fund Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Sean, good morning to you. Thank you for dropping by and looking forward to our conversation. Thank you for having me, Dan, and uh, happy weekday. Let's begin maybe by reflecting on the year that was for hedge funds. How would you characterize hedge fund performance thinking back to 2023? And now that we're a couple of months into 2024, how has asset class performance shaped up thus far? So first, kind of quickly looking at traditional assets, look, they defied expectations in 2023 with equities finishing the year with their best performance since 2019. Fixed income, where volatility was markedly higher throughout the year, uh, rallied sharply in the fourth quarter and ended tw- the 2023 in positive territory. The strong performance, especially in the fourth quarter for both asset classes, does come amid a multitude of concerns that do remain downside risk in 2024, and these include escalating conflicts in the Middle East and Eastern Europe, rising defaults, as well as the booming maturity wall, of high yield debt in twenty twenty six coming due by at least twenty twenty six, equity and equity valuations across the globe trading in premiums to long term averages, especially when you're seeing this in a large cap US stock space. Hedge funds were able to kind of navigate this environment to deliver mostly positive uncorrelated, uncorrelated performance, um, aside from macro, which was weighed down by systematic macro managers on the wrong side of rapid reversals in US Treasuries in March crude oil in the third quarter, and the USD at the beginning of the fourth quarter. But aside from that, most um, hedge fund strategies, especially when looking at the aggregate level, were able to best bond and, and were kind of closer to their more kind of historical long-term upside capture of, of U.S. equities. While directional and higher beta strategies outperformed, relative value and diversifying strategies were still able to deploy capital to capture alpha-oriented gains without um, having to overlever or concentrate positions to compete with beta gains in 2023. I'm certainly about the overall kind of path of risk assets and rising volatility, um, led to most managers running at risk below historical. This was kind of continued throughout most of the year. Um, but although po- there were kind of pockets of line dispersion and just kind of valuations that did lead to some strategies having some form of heightened risk throughout 2023, um, which we kind of saw in technology oriented equity long short managers activist managers, credit arbitrage, and fixed income arbitrage managers. Um, also, the traditional assets, you know, hedge funds did have this challenging year, but the role of hedge funds does come become even more important in reaching long-term outcomes when kind of looking at the, the kind of the past two years as a base case example where most risk assets are basically at this point at or only recently exceeded their high watermarks following the drawdowns of 2022. The bulk of the hedge fund universe, meanwhile, which had much shallower losses and were better positioned to take advantage of volatility at the beginning of 2023, were much quicker to exit their drawdowns and compound capital last year. And now managers are looking to take advantage of this position as they have been ramping up risk to begin 2024. This can be seen through long-short managers increasing both long and short exposure and broadening out, broadening out risk outside of the TMT space where risk was concentrated in 2023, activist managers launching new campaigns, Merger arbitrage managers allocating new deals as the deal-making landscape began 2024 strong with over 10 merger deals exceeding $1 billion. 
credit arbitrage and distress arbitrage or credit arbitrage and distress managers beginning to actively deploy risk, volatility managers being able to cheaply increase long convexity trades, and macro managers increasing risk outside of the U.S. where risk was also concentrated in 2023, as well as kind of systematic macro managers that close to max risk equities, as well as kind of max risk within some select commodity contracts. Um, on the month, just quickly on, on January performance, what we, we've seen so far, at least um, from estimates, is managers were, were, were largely positive, aside from discretionary macro and notable alpha, especially in the equity long short space, where there was strong alpha on both the long and short side. Well, Sean, thank you for that performance recap. Very helpful to have some of that historical context as well. So as a refresher, can you remind us of the Chief Investment Office's economic outlook? And against that backdrop, how are hedge funds poised to perform over the first half of 2024? So our base case B within CIO calls for a soft landing in the U.S., where growth rates slow to modestly below trend, but the U.S. was Recession is avoided as consumer and labor strength remains resilient, as well as policy policymakers um, being sufficiently confident that inflation is falling sustainably towards target and reaches central bank tar- targets in the early second half of 2024. The Fed remains willing to cut interest rates, it seems, even if U- U.S. growth remains positive, with the CIO expecting 100 basis points of rate cuts starting in May, which is slightly more than the Fed dot box suggests but less easing than the market is currently pricing in. In this scenario, we see the S&P 500 ending 2024 at about 5,000. This equates to about a 1% decline, and the U.S. 10-year yield closing 2024 at about 3.5%, which equates to a decline of roughly 80 basis points. All of this is, is based off data from yesterday's close. In this environment of kind of choppy range bond markets, which has historically been a scenario where hedge funds outperform broad equity, equity allocations, we've seen kind of analyzing a 12-month rolling return since 1998, um, an average rolling return between zero to negative 10% of the MSC. Acqui has kind of averaged around negative 4.6%, while the average level hedge fund returned uh, basically fat flat during that same time frame. Specific hedge funds that do do well in this environment are more kind of uncorrelated and relative value-oriented strategies, but kind of given the, the lower beta profiles, across the majority of hedge fund strategies when compared to passive investments, points to broad outperformance across the industry during these kind of timeframes. But we do still see a lot of potential risks and catalysts in this current environment that could exacerbate losses in passive investments that hedge funds are better positioned to take advantage of and provide asymmetric return streams. So with that, Sean, maybe we can expand a bit on the investment case, thinking in terms of why now when it comes to hedge funds. And further, what are some strategies in particular that investors should be considering? In this environment, we do have two messages and focus that are, are pertaining to hedge funds as well as other strategies that directly kind of tie into some, some various hedge fund strategies. And those are diversify with alternative credit and capture upside and protect downside. But overall, in this current environment, which I'll get to, SEO favors more uncorrelated and relative value-oriented strategies. This includes credit arbitrage, convertible arbitrage, multi-strategy, macro, particularly discretionary macro managers, and loan at equity long-short managers. Specific to credit arbitrage, the higher for longer rate environment has begun to have what we've seen as knock-on effects for lower quality segments of the credit market especially within high yield with the large and looming debt coming due in 2024, 
2025 and 2026 presents a robust opportunity set for single-name credit trades. This has created a wide gap between the strongest and weakest borrowers in the U.S. high-yield market, and these strategies can give exposure to market mispricing without directly investing in broad-yield indices. These credit arbitrage and fundamental long-short credit managers have historically acted as a portfolio diversifier during kind of period of credit or underperformance, outperforming traditional credit roughly two-thirds of the time after a market sell-off um, based off the fixed income corporate index of the HFRI and, and Bloomberg U.S. kind of corporate IG index since 1993. Similarly, this kind of more restrictive rate regime has increased many corporations' financing costs, um, leading to companies looking to refinance or issue new debt um, are looking kind of and have been increasingly tapping convertible markets to lower their coupon costs. This, up to, this uptick in issuance, uh, as well as wider relative spreads and reduction in concentration, um, as kind of the, the 20 largest issuers within the convertible arbitrage space have historically accounted to for kind of close to 80% of total convertible, convertible issuance, um, should be a tailwind con- for convertible arbitrage managers. Multi-strat, where we prefer kind of RV implementations and wider strategy sets, along with macro managers where we prefer discretionary over systematic as well as kind of probably also um, multi-PM versus single PM implementations are best positioned to take advantage of higher asset class volatility and quickly modulate exposures to the to the most kind of profitable trades they see following shocks across markets. Finally, the outperformance of Magnificent 7 stocks in 2023 has led to extreme levels of concentration in U.S. large caps. Uh, following years where a small set of stocks drives overall market performance, where the S&P 500 last year was up around 23-24%, I think when taking out those magnificent seven stocks, S&P 500 was only up about 6%. Um, but with this, as this distortion kind of does kind of increase when this reverses, this does tend to be a tailwind for equity long-short managers, combined with, with higher rates negatively impacting corporate balance sheets and higher expected equity vol, the environment for active stock prices is greatly improved. Should also finally just be noted that higher rates is fed into a bulk of hedge fund strategies, including higher short rebates from long short managers, which is naturally higher for equity market neutral managers that have larger short books, and high unencumbered cash balances within macro and relative value strategies. Sean, thank you for hitting on those considerations. I would definitely encourage our listeners, especially our clients of UBS, to familiarize themselves with you and your team's written research on this topic. And of course, they can always reach out to their UBS financial advisor if our clients have any questions around hedge fund investing. So with all types of investing, of course, comes risk. So in the case of hedge funds, Sean, can you remind our listeners, our clients, of the risks to be mindful of when it comes to hedge fund investing? There's a wide variety of hedge fund strategies that can really suit the need of any client objective. Um, while the outcome of individual hedge fund strategies can vary greatly, we do have a strong bench of hedge funds available to clients on our wealth management platform that, when packaged together, can provide efficient long-term returns for clients and lead to better overall outcomes. But having said that, it is important to note that an allocation to hedge funds does present investors with additional risks that do need to be considered. This includes lower liquidity than traditional investments, employing more complex investment strategies, and the use of leverage that can further exacerbate losses. All of these, I should be mentioned, are double-edged swords, which, as they do increase the, the set of risks an investor faces at the portfolio level when allocating to hedge funds, they do allow for hedge fund managers to increase their trading moat, capture arbitrage and premium, risk premium spreads, 
and access uncorrelated returns return streams inaccessible to passive investments. At the, at the individual level, even when controlling for strategy dispersion, um, sorry, excuse me, at the individual level, we do see kind of still high levels of dispersion, even at this kind of point in time where overall dispersion is historically low in the hedge fund space. Um, there is still kind of a spread of roughly 14% between the 25th and 75th percentile managers when looking at the the rolling 12-month returns. Um, within the HFRI fund way to composite, which kind of shows the importance of diversification with that hedge fund portfolio as well. Before we close out, anything in the way of final thoughts, takeaways, or anything you would like to reinforce to our listeners and clients? So I'd just like to finish with 2023, while it was a, a challenging year for, for most hedge funds, it was also you know, a challenging year for most market participants. You know, you saw the average investment banking strategist expected a decline in equities between 5 to 10% last year. Um, which obviously did not bear fruits as, as most equity markets rallied over 20%. The majority of hedge funds did fade this rally and maintained a largely defensive stance and lower risk profile for the last nine months of the year, showing that the, the returns that they did gain were kind of more uncorrelated to the rest of kind of client portfolios. We have seen managers become more constructive on this current opportunity set in 2024, um, evidenced by increased length and equity long short managers. Um, increased value at risk levels within macro books, um, and higher growth and marginally higher net exposures within a venture-driven and relative value books. Importantly, this was also broadened out as more kind of crowded, the more crowded trades of 2023, which you know included long the magnificent seven in the U.S. equities, short small cap stocks, um, U.S. steepeners, and long the cash futures basis trade have moderated given increased opportunities across markets, also pointing to increased conviction by most hedge fund managers at this current opportunity set. CIO has launched multiple publications that aid in both hedge fund portfolio construction, um, but also understanding the hedge fund environment. Our asset allocation and implementation guidance help both FAs and private wealth managers build hedge fund allocations specific to their clients' risk tolerance. Um, just quickly, for instance, both our ultra-high net worth and high net worth defensive hedge fund portfolios which is kind of the lower end of the risk spectrum within our model portfolios, have realized historical beta below 0.2. And our growth portfolios, which is the other side of the risk spectrum, have realized approximately a beta of 0.5 over the last five years. While both are still diversified across hedge fund strategies, giving you the ability to capture risk premium, alpha, and dynamic beta across the whole hedge fund industry. We also recently released our January hedge fund performance and decision report, which dives deeper into current risk tasting by managers across the strategies. And finally, just regardless of where clients sit on the risk spectrum, the higher rolling correlation between equities and bonds um, experienced right now, as well as risk-free rates expected to decline from post-GFC highs, and risk harder to capture in passive investments, such as geopolitical and carry risk, hedge funds can provide much-needed protection from potential market shocks while still providing gains if markets do continue to grind higher. Well, Sean, thank you for highlighting those reports and resources, all of which can be located up on UBS.com slash CIO, though, as I mentioned earlier, for clients of UBS, please be sure to reach out to your UBS financial advisor if you have any follow-up questions on this topic or would like to gain direct access to those reports and resources that Sean mentioned. Though, Sean, thank you for dropping by top of the morning and keeping our listeners, our clients informed and do look forward to picking back up with our conversation again soon. Thank you, Dan, as always. Appreciate it.
appreciate the time. Thank you, Sean. Again, today we have been speaking with Sean Sambord, Hedge Fund Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office from UBS Studios. I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. Investing in an alternative investment fund is speculative and involves significant risks. For a discussion on these risks, please visit UBS.com slash CIO dash disclaimer dash NTA. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.